Hey, listeners of Missing Maura Murray, this is sort of a crawlspace feed drop. This is uh, an episode of crawlspace that we're playing here on Missing Maura Murray because the information is important and vital to put out there to New Hampshire residents especially. Yeah, we have a lot of listeners in the New Hampshire residents, and this episode we talk about Michael McLean. He was 29, and he went missing from Nashua, New Hampshire, and it was on Easter of this year. So it's very recent. We want to put it out there to as many ears as possible, and you'll hear uh, our call to action to call the uh, Crime Stoppers Nashua Police Department, and we give you some descriptions as to where he went missing. So we hope you guys will listen to this and know that we don't talk about Mora. We just need to use this um, feed in order to reach as many listeners as possible. And we'll be back next week with Mora coverage and uh, our panel from CrimeCon. Thanks a lot for listening. Space. I'm Tim here today with Lance in the Crawl Space Studios in Wormtown. Lance, how are you today? Doing pretty well. Feels good to be here, Wormtown, in our little black box. But we have a uh, pretty heavy episode coming up here, so just want to preempt everything with that. We do, and uh, it's it's a recent disappearance case out of Nashua, New Hampshire, Lance, and uh, the man's name was Michael McLean. He's 29, and he was out with friends at the Tropical Lounge in Nashua on Saturday night, April 20th. So the last time he was seen is surveillance video around 2.30 a.m. Sunday, April 21st in Nashua at the McDonald's. Yeah, so that was Easter. Easter Sunday, and it was of this year. So like you said, this is a very recent disappearance, and we preempted other planned episodes so that we could put this out there because it's only been a couple of months since his disappearance. And there is a chance that we could put information out there and have somebody who saw something or who knows something come forward to the Nashua Police Department with information. And we spoke to his mother and his father on this episode, and both of them are completely perplexed as to uh, Michael's actions of that particular evening with text messages and the route that he was known to have walked, and then he disappeared. So if you have any information, please contact the Nashua Police Investigative Division at 603-594-3500. This is case number 19-26944. And make sure you check out all of the social posts. The missing poster is out there. You can see what Michael looks like in uh, different scenarios, different pictures of him. And if anyone is from Nashua and they know that area or if they heard anything or saw anything, Please reference the uh, number that Tim just gave. Or you can call Crime Stoppers of New Hampshire, 1-800-222-TIPS, T-I-P-S. That's 1-800-222-TIPS to call Crime Stoppers, and you can call anonymously if you would like. And I just want to reiterate, this has only been a couple of months. And the reason why we're doing this right now and we're preempting other episodes is because they're we're in that window where something is fresh in people's memories. And there's CCTV footage. There could be more of that out there. There could be people that Michael talked to that night that have not come forward. Who knows if someone's listening to this and they know somebody who was at the Tropical Lounge or worked there or at the uh, the Speedway gas station or the McDonald's that's right within a mile of the Tropical Lounge. Just reach out to that person and say, did you hear anything? Show them the missing poster. Once you hear Ed and Paula, those are Michael's parents, once you hear them talk, it'll really pull on your heartstrings and you you should feel uh, obligated to try to help out if, if you do know anything. So Mike was last seen around Bancroft Street and the Merrimack River. And so if you've seen something, please give some information to the appropriate place. And that location that you just mentioned, that's off of Bridge Street. It's off of East Hollis Street. It's technically 111A, and it is the bridge that crosses over before you get into Hudson, New Hampshire, I believe. So to get more specific about that, it's that triangulated area right before 111's bridge that goes from Nashua to Hudson, New Hampshire. 
And so the Nashua police uh, told Ed McLean that uh, there were witnesses who may have heard Mike in the river that night. So if you are a witness, please uh, call the Nashua police and get that out there. Call us or email us if you'd like. We can send that to the appropriate place. If you feel more comfortable doing it that way, you can email us at crawlspacepodcast at gmail.com. And again, Michael McLean is 29 years old. He is from Manchester, New Hampshire, but he was last seen in Nashua. He has brown eyes. He wears green contacts. He has brown hair. He has a goatee. He's 5'10", 190, numerous tattoos on hands and arms. Is an African-American man. And for something on a little bit of a lighter note, Tim, we got some pretty cool stuff going on on our Patreon page, and we want to direct people there if you want to get some some fun stuff, because we do deal with a lot of heavy stuff like this case, uh, and we need to, in a sense, unwind a bit and decompress, and we have a segment where we quiz our our intern, our, our helper, uh, Brian. He's, he's the quiz king. What is it? Stump the king? Stump the king Stump is the king game. Is the yeah. game. And uh, the the patrons will be selected uh, seemingly at random for a uh, maybe a voicemail recording of you and I if he wins. Yeah, he plays for a patron every week, and so we do these uh, these vaults every week. They're a lot of fun. So yeah, check it out at patreon.com slash crawlspacepodcast. Again, it's patreon.com slash crawlspacepodcast. We also have our entire archive on Stitcher Premium, so check that out at stitcherpremium.com and use code MMM. Speaking of Stitcher Premium, we just dropped our latest batch of 10 creator commentaries for Missing More Murray. We're working on the next 10. These things are picking up steam. People really like them. We've been getting a lot of messages about the new information that we we put out there uh, over the old information that we had in these episodes. We correct things, and there is no lack of us giving each other a lot of grief for what we said and how we acted back in the day. Okay, so check that stuff out, and thank you very much for listening. Follow us on social media at Crawlspace Pod, Crawlspace Podcast on Instagram. Thank you very much for listening. Okay, we are being joined by Edward and Paula, and their family member, Michael McLean, went missing in Nashua, New Hampshire, Sunday, April 21st. Can you guys tell us a little bit about uh, Mike's disappearance? Michael went out to um, Tropical Lounge in Nashua, uh, New Hampshire, with some friends to the club during the ordeal an altercation, I believe, happened with two young ladies that were there. Um, so, man, excuse me, Michael, you know, intervened and I guess felt that it wasn't right for the young ladies to be arguing, fighting, or whatever have you. So he kind of separated it. Um, and pretty much after the altercation with the two young ladies, um, the crowd had dispersed. And pretty much after the crowd had dispersed, that was pretty much towards the end of the night at the club also. Um, you know, he wasn't seen near or at the club when his supposed friends um, were looking for him ready to leave. Um, so that's kind of like last that they have seen of him at the club. And then supposedly he um, basically um, made his way down towards East Hollis, where, yeah, because Tropic Lounge is on West Hollis. So East Hollis, he made his way down to East Hollis, which is the McDonald's. Um, so, and at that time, you know, people, you know, gave a statement and so forth that they remember seeing him at McDonald's. Um, and that's probably, I don't know if I had to guess looking at from the timeline, I want to say that's probably anywhere between. Two o'clock to about two thirty, give or take. They remember seeing him at McDonald's. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, who remembers uh, seeing him at McDonald's? The staff that works at McDonald's, because that McDonald's is a twenty-four hour McDonald's. Um, so they remember him coming in. Um, his phone. Once the police uh, pinged his phone, they did 
confirmed that his uh, he was at McDonald's, or I should say his phone was at McDonald's. But the people do remember him, so that's it's safe to say that he and his phone were both at McDonald's, um, and he was there. They really didn't uh, confirm the time, how long he was there for, but they did mm-hmm. confirm that he was there. Um, I believe he made a purchase or whatever have you. He was there for a little while, um, and then he managed to leave McDonald's. But there was a gentleman, I don't recall his name, supposedly, I guess, an acquaintance with man, um, when he was either entering the McDonald's or exiting the McDonald's. I believe he also went down and gave a statement because he does recall man being a McDonald's. I apologize. When I say man, I reference my son, Michael yep. Anthony McLean is man. Right. That's a, yep. a nickname I call him. Right. Um, so um, that was also someone that recalls him being there. Um, and then between the ordeal at McDonald's and him leaving McDonald's, um, apparently he made a phone call to his boss at around 1.49 a.m. Um, so the call that he made to his boss, her name is Nicole. Apparently it was um, looking at the timestamp. I believe it was a two-minute two, two minute and 16-second call. Um, whether he meant to call her direct or inadvertently call her, he managed to call her. And he did um, momentarily speak to her, and her comment was basically man said to his boss, they're chasing me. Um, there are more than one. So that's basically the last person that man physically talked to um, yes. that we officially know of. How far between the Tropical Lounge Club and McDonald's, How what's the distance between the two? If I had to guess from being there, I would probably say it's maybe... Maybe about a quarter of a mile, maybe yeah, yeah, about a quarter of a mile or a little bit more, give or take. Okay, but definitely not like more than a mile. No, no, okay. not not more than a mile. But um, it gets it gets a little bit more crazier at, at you know with this ordeal because um, once he and this is I have yet to to comprehend how this actually transpired but and hopefully i will explain myself a little bit more as we go so you can understand what my mind is at right now but so basically he made the phone call at 151 149 149 i'm sorry thank you it was actually 149 he made the call to his boss 149 two minutes and 16 seconds then his boss tried to reach him back at 151 Okay. The same boss okay. that the same boss that he called. So they had the two minute conversation. Yeah. He said they're chasing Correct. me, and then she, he, they hung. She hung up, or they they disconnected the call, and and she immediately called him back. Correct. Okay. So she called him back at one fifty one. He didn't uh, respond. She called him back at two twenty five. She didn't respond, and she also sent him a text. Um. At 154 and 218, and there was no reply from the from neither text or the the two attempts to call him. Um, he did not pick up. Do you know what time Mike left the tropical lounge? According to the police, they claim he left the lounge at 140, 145, 144. Oh, okay. Supposedly around that time. That's the time he left. Okay, so it sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like so there there was an altercation inside the bar that was one of the reasons why Mike left the bar, and then pretty much immediately after that, he called his boss and said, they're chasing me, there's more than one, and then uh, they tried to talk again, and then he ends up at McDonald's about uh, anywhere between... 10 to a half an hour later, 10 minutes to about a half an hour later. Is that, is that sound right? Um, see, that's why I, 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 I couldn't figure this out as well from, from listening to what the cops say, because from what, let's just, there was two young ladies that was actually, it was a bunch of people there in the club, okay. but there was just two particular ladies that we did speak with that were there. And, 
that's why I questioned the time that the police telling me that man left the club. Because the reason I questioned that was because the the altercation, from what I got, it, it happened. Well, it, there were, I'm quite sure there was a verbal confrontation with the two girls inside the club. I'm quite sure because that's probably what escalated it outside. Right. But no one really can, you know, say yay and nay or any of them. No one's been able to verify that um, that call that he made was in direct connection to the altercation that happened inside the bar. From what they're telling me, man was not part of the altercation. He was the one that right. tried to defuse it on the outside of the bar after the club had ended. Do you think that there's a possibility that Michael breaking up this altercation might have instigated someone like the the situation where he was being chased? I I question that too. Okay. Yeah. I question that because apparently I guess he knew one of the young ladies. And if I'm going by what people were saying, he was dancing with the young lady or she was dancing with him. They, they was dancing together. Let's just say that inside the club. So apparently her ex-boyfriend was at the club. So from what they're saying, he was kind of like, um, we call it like grilling. Like you, you, are basically looking at it. You're staring out at a person like, like, why are you with this person? Whatever, whatever. So I don't know if that sparked something in the club because no one can really say there was an altercation with man with anyone inside the club. From what I'm gathering, they say he was in the VIP with these guys. There was really no altercation with him or anyone inside the club. The altercation was with the young ladies outside, and it was supposedly just them two from what everyone is telling me. Okay. No one has yet to say that man had any altercation or any run-ins with anyone inside the club. Oh, okay, that's good to know. So w- was the bar closed? Is that why everyone was waiting outside, or did just this altercation kind of spill outside? I guess because the cops were coming, everybody was leaving. Well, not necessarily. Well, the club had ended. So from what I'm, I was being told, when the club ends, they pretty much force you outdoors. Right. So that's kind of like the time where um, the bar, you know, it was almost two. So I guess that's when everyone was leaving. Yep. So everyone was kind of like gathered outside, um, whether they were talking, whatever, whatever, or, or, or just being entertained with the altercation with the two young ladies. Um, that I'm not sure, but I'm only speculating that that's what actually happened while they was outside. Okay. And uh, I don't know if you have any way to know this, but do you know if Mike was intoxicated or how drunk he might have been? No, I was saying no. Michael don't get that drunk. Okay, Michael drinks. Now the mm-hmm. thing of it is, though. See, and this is this is something also too. They said that everyone was drinking, they was having a good time. So apparently, everyone was intoxicated. But looking, or I should say, listening to the police tell me this, they claim. Now I'm going to jump ahead because, like I said. I want you to kind of get where my head is because it doesn't make sense, these timestamps. Because, man, the, the cops say he apparently left the club at 145. Between 145 and 230, they can pretty much, they have a somewhat concrete trail of where man was at. So they said that this timestamp, looking at the cameras, this is piecing it together. This is what they, they come up with. When he leaves the club, he ends up making his way to McDonald's, right? But the time stamp that the cops have given me that he left at like a quarter to two, it doesn't really seem right. I could be wrong, but just it, it, it's possible around that time, give it a couple of minutes here or there. So he leaves the club. So with this being said, with the phone call, there was also a text sent from his phone at, I'm going to just read the timestamp. So the times, the first text, he writes, help, LOL, R. Not sure what that means, but he texts that. So then at 156, he sent another text that I'm not sure if he is, is, Forgive me, I know I'm not that old, but I'm 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 lost with times with the way they text now. But basically he typed in what a I'm I'm a 
say it how I believe in, then I spell it. He said, what a stood aloof. So he basically texts W-H-A-T-A, W-H-A-T-A space S-T-O-O-D space A-L-O-O-F. Now, that was text at 1.56. Then at 2.15 a.m., he sent another text, and it, it said, Eldridge, bro. So Eldridge is a street maybe less than a 1,000 feet away from Tropic Lounge. Okay. It's off of the main strip. If you're facing McDonald's to get ready to head to East Nashua, it's the first street on your left, and it's near, I think that was, what bank was that? Citizens Bank, I believe that was. Yeah, and El- uh-huh. Eldridge is actually, I call it an alleyway. They call it a street. Eldridge is probably maybe, if I had to guess, 500, 600 feet. It's, a, yeah. it's the alleyway slash street that has this bagels company on it. So basically, that street in itself, and it runs directly into the post office that's right there. Okay. Now, that street in itself, there's no way you can read the name of that sign, Eldridge, from leaving the club, standing on the corner of uh, West Hollis, and I believe that was Main Street. You would have to literally be probably 100 to maybe 150 feet away from that sign to see it because it sits to the right and it, and it, we drove by it thinking we not knowing that it was actually a street. We thought it was just the driver to the bank, but it's actually a street. So man texts that name Eldridge Bro at two fifteen a.m. and then at two eighteen a.m. from his phone he texts excuse the, the French, but he texts fuck I. I can't, I'm not sure what this is, but he basically spelled F-U-C-K space I B-I-T X-U. Did you say B-I-T? Yeah, B-I, yeah. Now, if I had to speculate, I guess he was saying either F-U-B-I-T-C-H, I don't know. But I'm just, this is what the text was that was coming from his phone at 218. And who is that? Who's he sending these text messages? Are these all to different people, or is this to one specific person? No, this was from what I gather was from one person who was his neighbor. So, from because this this I got this screenshot from my nephew. They they say he may have thought he was home, and he was knocking on the door to tell the neighbor to let him in. Oh, okay. So was the neighbor with him? No. Oh, That's wow. the thing. Okay. Because the thing of it is, man moved to Manchester. Let me rephrase that. He was already living in Manchester, but he moved to another dwelling. Okay. So the, the, the unit, that the condos, MDU, the multi-dwelling units that he resides in now, I didn't see no similar units like that in the vicinity of West Hollis. The closest ones that I saw that resembled that was the one where the police speculate that that was the last place that they saw a man, which was at 11 Boncroft Street. And that was down the road a bit. Yes. Now, that's about, if I had to guess, from the club to there, that's probably over a mile, maybe a mile and a half, maybe a mile and a quarter. Just want to get the timeline and sort of his walking path down. Per the police, around 145 is when he leaves the Tropical Lounge. And we believe that he crossed the street and went uh, down this side street named Eldridge and made a phone call to his boss at that point saying, they're chasing me, there's more than one. And then he was he was texting someone after that, and then he crossed back across Hollis to go to McDonald's. And during this time, there were some texts that were happening, and he says a friend, or a friend said he saw him uh, at McDonald's, and there's workers who saw him at McDonald's between 2 and 
after that, he continued down the road the way he was heading away from the Tropical Lounge. And then I think there was a gas station that he stopped at to make a call at. Correct. But 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 that yes, but that is just it's, there's also there's more. See, because um, after he, like I said, the timestamp of two eighteen, there was another timestamp of two twenty five from his phone, and then another timestamp of two twenty seven a.m. from his phone. Now that was the last transmission from and or to his phone at that time. Two twenty five a.m. Two um two twenty five, and then it was a, the the very last text was two twenty seven. Oh, okay. So from 1.55 a.m., 1.56 a.m., 2.15 a.m., 2.18 a.m., 2.25 a.m., and then the very last one was at 2.27 a.m. was the very last correspondence on his phone. Now, remember, his boss sent him a text at 2.27. He didn't respond. And she sent them another one at 216. Now, this is the thing because they said, the police said they that, that man was at McDonald's at, at if, if memory serves you correct, because I, I started looking through the footage, but I was actually taking some other notes. But I believe they said around 2.30, they remember him at McDonald's or the people said they remember him at McDonald's. So... The, my conclusion is that when man was leaving the club, I'm assuming something may have kind of like sparked after the club outside, because if something would have sparked off in the club, man would have left prior to that happen. Or, you know, the guys that he came with, they were like, hey, let's defuse this, let's leave. Well, you would only assume. But I know my son, he would have left. Or, you know, something of that nature. He wouldn't have waited to the end if there was an altercation to deal with a bigger altercation after the club and then to try to defuse a fight between two girls. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm believing something happened after the, after he defused the thing with the girls, then something may have happened then. But after that, the police see when the police showed us footage. Let me rephrase. Let me, let me come back. They didn't even show us footage. No. They they said they pieced together the footage from the establishments on this strip. Okay. So they're saying that man walk from West Hollis straight down to East Hollis to where McDonald's was and then past East Hollis and proceeded down towards Boncroft, 11 Boncroft Street, which is the NBU, this new riverfront complex that they're building. Yep. So... Man ended up there. That's the last footage that they say they have of him. The very last footage of him they say they have of him was him exiting the rear of the condo complex. Oh, okay. But it, it gets a little bit more tricky because they said they have this, they piece it together with the footage. Now, I questioned them. With all the footage that we told them that these, because we also went to these shopkeepers and they all said they had the footage, but obviously the cops had to acquire it. So the cops apparently acquired the footage. Now they're saying he walked straight down West Hollis to East Hollis, which is incorrect because he actually went down Eldridge. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the area, but once again, there's no way you're going to see this Eldridge Street from West Hollis. Yeah, we're looking on the Google map, and we definitely see that it's across sort of a main street and, as you said, a bit of an alley. So, and yeah. what, what strikes me immediately is that that was probably, I mean, if he left the lounge around 145, then that was probably right around the time where he called his supervisor and left the message saying, they're chasing me, there's more than one. And so, again, this is kind of an alley, a small street, not the main street. Yeah. This is... Uh, not with not in direct line of vision from the tropical lounge, Correct. I imagine. No, yeah. When you Correct. we're on, yeah, we're on Google Earth right now, and you can see if you if you walk out of the tropical lounge and you take a right, then you take a left on Main Street, and then you cross over at some point to go to Eldridge Street, and then it's like you um you you uh, horseshoe, you come back on East Hall to head via, towards McDonald's, yeah, via Spring Street. And uh, do you know when he sent that text that said help? 
What time? The time was one fifty-five a.m. Oh, so it's right in that same time frame. And who did he send that text to? His boss? No, the last name eludes me, but I believe it was Stephanie, and that was his. And this is the crazy thing, because I don't think he initially meant to text her. I think it was just just fumbling with the phone or whatever, whatever it. it because I have done it too, said something, and then it generated a conversation that I had, getting ready to send it to someone. So um, I don't think that initially was who he meant to send it to, but I think it may have picked up his voice because it was still somehow in recording mode to send a text because, you know, you can send a text oh, like, with speech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I'm thinking that it record it kind of picked up the conversation. I could be wrong. But I'm thinking this is probably, I don't know if this is actually him texting this or him speaking this. Gotcha. And it just happened to pick it up. He calls his boss. Do you believe that that was a mistake, that he was just sort of trying to call anybody to, to say something to anybody and it just happened to be his boss? Or do you think he was trying to call somebody else? That I don't think was a mistake right. because he has reached out to his boss if he's at the club or if he needs a ride. So he does have that rapport with his boss, okay. and then always shows up for work. So if he if he was out and he couldn't make it to work, or if he needed to ride, his car broke down because prior to this car he had a Maxima, which was given props. So he has reached out to his boss before to say, okay, something happened with the vehicle. You know, um, this is my excuse for why I'm either going to be running late or so forth. So he has reached out to her before. So that I think was meant. Like, he meant to call her. Yeah. Maybe that was the first number when he hit contact. I don't know. But, or he had called her prior, and it was still there. That, I know, I strongly believe he meant to call Nicole. Okay. But they did have a, a brief conversation, and then this is where the rest of this came about. Because, once again, and to my point, and you kind of somewhat agree, he had to have been somewhere. Something had to push him off the beaten path of Hollis to go to that side street. Yeah. And it is dark. Like I said, when we was out there, um, there were, you know, less misfortunate people in that area. Um, so I can only imagine what's out there at 2 a.m. Or, you know, so something derailed him off the main strip. Okay. So he ends up on Eldridge. So he, like you, like you said, he horseshoed around. And apparently he came back to Hollis. Right. And then that's how he made it to McDonald's. So whether McDonald's was a safe haven for him, I'm believing so. I would say so. A 24-hour... So probably uh, the only place open 24 hours. Yeah, pretty busy store at that time of night. There's a number of banks that I assume have ATMs. I mean, there's a number of buildings here that I'm looking at that could have... Uh, some sort of uh, CCTV well, footage my, there. My question is, do you know what time he was seen last at that condo complex? They said the last time that they seen him at the condo was at 3.30 is where the cops say their footage that they acquired from the condo showed him there around that time. Because that time, they was only able to ping his phone while he was at McDonald's, and that's where he somehow came separated from his phone, whether it died. But before he goes to Bancroft, 11 Bancroft, he stops, he's walking down Hollis, he stopped at Speedy, Speedy gas station. Yeah, yep. the, the Speedway. Yes. Okay. Yeah, speed, well, I, I thought it said Speedy, yeah, it could say Speedy, Speedway, but he stopped at that gas station, and he entered there, and he asked to use the phone. Now, the cops never said to me if he actually made a phone call, they only said that he, he entered the establishment. Now, I went and spoke to one of the employees there. And let's just say, I'm going to be nice when I say this. Let's just say he's a very good friend of some sort of uh, drug because his mind was everywhere. Like he was, he kept repeating himself. Like I was just trying to get who, what was the manager on duty? And how can I acquire some footage of yeah. what transpired? And he claims he remembered my son coming in. Um, but he wrote my number down. I gave him my number. He wrote my number down on the paper to give back to me. So I'm saying, no, 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 guy, I need the number of 
your boss so I can reach out to him for the footage and to see if the police actually acquired the footage. So that conversation kind of took forever. So once again, he does remember, he says he remember man coming in there. Now, the footage from the camera system, the cops did confirm that man did enter that gas station, and the gas station is after McDonald's. Right, so right. He, he, he left McDonald's. But if, if man was actually caring um, for his life or in distress of, it, you know, something was happening, he would have stayed at McDonald's. He would have left. Only two reasons I think he would have left McDonald's, if someone called him, or text him, or he ran into someone where he felt safe enough to leave with them to leave McDonald's. Now, right. because it made no sense to leave McDonald's, and then, now mind you, man doesn't really know this area, and that's the kicker. So for him to leave and walk that way, something pushed him that way. Yeah, Someone or something pushed him that way. Once he leaves the gas station... He ends up at this MDU complex. Man does not know this complex, nor does he know that area. Now, it's very dark out there. Now, we were there. We walked the area from the picture, or I should say the steel, the poor steel that the police showed us, the copy, a print-up copy, showed us that he entered the complex. They got him. Entering the complex, we can see that it's him. Face emotions don't look like he's intoxicated. Don't look, just look like man. So we see him exiting the complex. Now the photo that the cops showed us from the footage, it was they just took a snapshot. It showed a body of grass that's probably. If I had to guess from the footage, maybe an eight by ten or something patch of grass area then it gets dark because there's very limited lighting going towards that wooded area after the complex so when we saw the picture and listen to what the detectives were saying we assume that soon as he exit the complex there's a little driveway then there's a little body of grass that there was water right there the black area was water so when we go out there that's not the case from the exit of the complex to the body of water, if I had to guess, it's probably about maybe 400, 500 feet, but there are numerous obstacles that will prevent you from just walking directly into the water. One being, it's an overflow. I don't know what, what you guys call it out there in uh, New Hampshire, but basically if the city water whether it be groundwater, um, the ocean water overfills on the property. It hits this basin, and from the basin, it, it, it's like a dry well. It basically goes through the earth slowly, but it doesn't flood the property. There's basically an overflow basin that's dirt, excuse me, grass and quarter-inch trap rock. So basically, that's as soon as you walk out the complex, you walk maybe 10 feet, you're right into this little hole. Yeah. So at night, I could definitely see someone hitting that at night because it, it looks like grass. And then once you get up and walk from there, you're walking another probably, I don't know, 50, 60 more feet. There's like a wooded area that blocks the water. So with that area being there, you really can't see what's behind that. So you would have to bear around to the right, and you're going to have to walk up this this. Mind you, this is a new development, which is still dirt, trap rock, mud. So it goes up this hill. So that hill is now slippery because of the rain that was coming down that night, and it's dark. So you walk up this hill. Now, this hill is probably another 60 feet. Now, once you're at the top of the hill, it declines. And it's like another. Now, on the backside of that, it's all trap rock. So the trap rock becomes slippery. It's more like river rock, I should say. And it becomes slippery because now it's wet and you're going downhill. Yeah. Now, once you go downhill, you got a um, a man-made path where the people that live in this complex walk, ride the bikes, the quads, the kids with the quads, and so forth. So that in itself is probably the distance of the average one-lane highway. 
Yeah. So then from there, it goes to another body of trees and small patches of grass. And that is probably, once again, maybe a, the width of a single highway. Then from there, it goes downhill to engine-sized boulders that are not put together because of the boulders of different size. So it's, it's spacing between them. So once you get that, that's probably another 20, 25 feet of nothing but boulders before you even enter the water. And then when you do enter the water from there, you can literally stand up and you're still standing on the boulders because the boulders run directly into the water and there's plenty of stand-up room, there's plenty of sit-up room. But the thing of it is, if man walked into that water, he would have A, broken ankle, or B, got his foot lodged in between the boulders because the space in between the boulders are so great and the boulders are jagged. There was no... I, if he did this, which the cops are saying, I can see him falling because one, is dark, two, the rocks are slippery. I can see him falling, hitting his head, falling on his knee, falling on his arm. There should have been some blood because he had on a T-shirt, you know. So the T-shirt easily would have, like, some, it would have been some trace, whether it be fluid, something, some trace would have been there. But they, there was nothing found at the scene. So okay. that's why I discredit that theory that he walked into the water and drowned. Do you know what time the last text that he sent was? At 2.27. Oh, okay, at 2.27. Okay. Okay, and so there were no calls or anything after that, and uh, so and, and there were no pings after that as well, right? So is it— Well, that's, that's the thing. The cops only said they confirmed that the last ping was at McDonald's. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. Yeah, that, so that was, I think I think we have a pretty good idea that his phone lost battery at McDonald's and then he left and went correct. to Speedway to try to make another call because yeah. his phone was dead. I mean, I think that seems seems right. Correct. But if he was at McDonald's already eating, like they they said, they remember him. He did eat at McDonald's. So if he was there eating, okay. If, but see, that's the thing. If, if there was an altercation. And man made his way to McDonald's. Now, whether he ordered something, we never got proof that he ordered something, no receipt, no debit card, nothing of what he ordered. So I get it. They don't remember everything. But that timestamp where you ping this phone should have kind of gave you a window of, and at two something in the morning, I don't know that McDonald's may have been populated. I don't know. But some sort of what did he order? So if he ordered something, did he order something for himself? Or was it multiple people would order something from? Because if man texts before he made it to McDonald's that they're following me, he made the phone call. McDonald's was kind of like his safety. So that's why I stress the fact that if he was at McDonald's and he felt comfortable there, someone had to either have called them, text them, or something where he felt comfortable to leave McDonald's. And then that's where I think it went south. Was there anything, and maybe I missed it and I apologize, but was there anything in that direction of that complex and heading towards the bridge that crosses the Merrimack River that would that he would be walking towards, like in that direction of McDonald's and the Speedway and the complex? What would he be walking towards, or was it an arbitrary direction just to get away? Well, see, that's what I thought at first, but then speaking to some of the people out there, they said if he was going to walk back to Manchester, that that's I guess that's like your well, they're telling me that that is a way. I don't see how it's possible. Well, I do because we kind of took that way, but I don't see how you would want to walk that way. But that way would probably take you back to Manchester if you walk that. That's yeah, a long it's a, way. It's a very long walk, though. Exactly, and this is why I say because if you look at it, that's kind of a straight shot because everything else is like side streets and is not really lit up as much as that the Hollis Street was. Yeah. So whether that was his, his mindset to try to walk back to Manchester, but if something happened where he made a phone call and and from what the young lady was saying that Nicole said, people they're following me and it's more than one. So they're chasing me and it's more than one. So right. that in itself led me to believe that there was something going on. You know, my son is, he may not be 
the, the, the smartest person in the room, but he's damn sure not the dumbest person in, in the college. Yeah, right. you know, yeah, of cops, course. The cops rule that out, though, Eddie. Yeah, no, I know, they, but they, I know, but that, that nobody was following him, but that's not true. And that's what they said. They, they, they. From looking at the footage, they claimed that no one was following him or nothing like that because he said that they're chasing me. So, man's running. He's 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 running. He's not walking. He he probably has some some speed or momentum behind him. Now, whether that's true or not, that's what I strongly believe. So once he was at the condo complex, like I said, there's a bridge. That bridge kind of exits Nashua. You can go back to Manchester. But the thing of it is, if they think that he entered the water from... See, it's kind of hard because you guys didn't see the the, 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 the somewhat photo that they showed us. But the cops, from what they was giving the family, us when we was there... They try to make it seem like he walked from the condo directly to water, like it was a straight shot, but that's not the case. We're again looking at it on um, on Google Earth here, and it's really detailed. The bridge was 111, and it looks like it separates Nashua from um, from Hudson. Uh, so Hudson. those are just like small details, but you're right. It, it it's this has been something I've been wanting to say, and I, I want to do it before I forget. If you're looking at it directly above where where they claim he walked into the water is to the left of the bridge. If he had stayed on the main road and continued on the bridge, he would have been under streetlights. He would have had cars driving by him. And it, it's and there's a exactly. sidewalk on the bridge. So this so, is yes. presumably somewhere he was hiding out again. If if something were to have happened, yeah. it, he probably ducked down Bancroft Street right. and then and then went to towards the water. It seems like that's and, what makes the most sense. Well, it's treacherous over there, but there are woods, and there are, are a lot of places to hide. And a lot of places a car can't drive. Yeah. And my thought was that if he actually went to this condo complex like they say he did, man probably can let me make them think I live here, okay? So if he went there, now, if he was actually there, and this is, I never got, it was never said to me, because if he went there, and if he was actually there, making a ruckus or making a noise to draw attention, the cops probably was caught because at that time, if you're making noise and the cameras are there, if you're making noise, someone may have heard them, someone may have called the cops. I don't know because I was questioning if was there an interaction with man and the cops at that time, if he was there. I don't know. I never got confirmation. No one knows but the cops. Because I'm thinking that, like I said, because this was brought up by a family member, which is true, it's possible, that, okay, let me make them think I live here so maybe they back off, you know? So he goes into the complex, and he walks through the garage, I guess to go to the door or whatever, but they never showed us any footage of him trying to pull in the door. All they got us, the footage that they showed us, and mind you, the only footage, let me they didn't even show us footage. Why do I keep saying footage? The only screenshot from the video that they showed us were three I want to say photocopies from their printer. And the first one was showing him walking into the complex. And the other one was him walking, exiting the complex. But the one prior to that was the gas station. I believe that one was from the gas station. Do you know how much time there was between the the 3.30 a.m. time that he was leaving the condo and uh, when you said that they showed you the picture of him going into or towards the condo? See, that's the thing. What you just asked me is what I, I posed to the, the detectives because they did not show me a still of the photo head on with the time stamp and everything. The photo that they showed me was on a 45 degree. So basically it was blocking the time stamp and everything. So I questioned that. I says, why is this time wrong? I says, where's the time stamp of this actual footage? They their reply was, well, that's when we, we reviewed it. I said, I understand that, but I'm very familiar with digital ca- with camera systems. So if you're watching footage, it's going to show the time that that person entered the building. It's going to show you the date and time either at the bottom right-hand corner or directly on it at the top. It's going to show you that. They took a picture of the photo of the still on an angle so you couldn't see that. Like, And I, and I said that. What do you mean there's no, like, and I question that, but. It was just brushed off. You know, like I never got a solid answer why you're showing me this on an angle. They were very particular on how long we had the, the stills. Like, and it was like, if I'm going to show you this, I'm going to hold on to it with 
with my dear life. I, I says, I'm not going to take the photo. I just want to physically, I need to analyze this photo. I need to take a, 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 a photographic picture of this photo. Yep. You know, of, of my mind. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they took this still, but I could not match up the time because the time was not there to kind of go off of. You might have kind of been uh, stumbling into their, uh, you know, what they want to hold back for investigation purposes. That's kind of what it sounds like, um, you know, because we, with all the clues here, it does, you know, it it does sound like he was definitely in fear for his safety. Certainly, at one mm-hmm. point, I think you have evidence of that. Yeah. And now the now that they haven't even put out these last video images of him or still images, whatever it is they have. But um, that's one of the first things they normally do in a missing persons case. So I would uh, presume that that maybe they're uh, they're holding that back for for invest for their own personal investigation and possible court for all we know. I, I, I don't know. And and we gave them multiple names like like and the thing that is people have been reaching out to us. Um, that no man, that know the group, that speculate in this person may be involved, this person may be involved. Um, and, you know, we conveyed a lot of that to the police. I, I don't know, because my son, he, he's not the type to pick a fight. Um, I'm not saying he's an angel, but he's definitely not the one to pick a fight, because this is the second altercation he has got into when he tried to defuse a fight. And right. he ended up getting the grunt of it, you know? from what they're telling me, men don't really know Nashua. Like, he doesn't go to this, this spot. If anyone has any information on this, where do you suggest they reach out to? We keep telling them to call the cops anonymously. They don't even have to give their name. All they have to do is tell them what they know, and that's it. But they don't even want to do that. I just have one quick question for you. What, where did you get the nickname Man? That was That's my little man. That's, 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 he's, he's a little man. You know, he's, he's a little version of me. That's my man. Gotcha. It's like I guess your buddy, I guess your 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 bud. You know, that's 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 my man. That's that's my partner. You know, that's why I came with the name man. Gotcha, little man.